Well, good morning. It's so good to see you guys. Thank you for coming out and worshiping with us, whether you're watching us online or you're joining us at our Grayson campus. That's right. We are one church in two locations. And listen, I love you guys. I love Pastor Aaron and what God is doing in our Grayson church there is just unreal. Thank you guys so much for worshiping with us today. This is part two of a series called Experiencing God. If you have your Bibles, go to John chapter five. There's two passages I'm going to go. The next one's going to be in Acts chapter eight. I'm just giving you God's heads up who has to flip back and forth the fastest. You know what I'm saying? You put one marker in John five and one in Acts chapter eight. Uh, but we're in part two of this series called Experiencing God. And, and I'm telling you, I'm super excited about this series. If you're just visiting with us or watch online, make sure we have a workbook that I'm going to be working through with you on the, over the next seven weeks. You can pick one up out front in the lobby at both of our locations because we want to walk you through uh, and help you experience God like you've never experienced him before. And that's the prayer uh, of your pastor for you because I want you to experience God. And I want to encourage you in this as well. Experiencing God is not about knowing more about God. A lot of times we think that experiencing God is when we have more knowledge of him. So I want to experience him by just having knowledge, but it's more than just knowledge of God. If you want to experience Christ, if you want to experience God in an unbelievable way, we talked about this last week, it's your choice. And you get to choose what type of lifestyle or life that you will live. You could either live a life that's self-centered or you can live a life that's God-centered. And if you begin to live a life that's centered on Christ, that's centered on God, you will experience him everywhere you go. doesn't matter where you go. No matter if you go to work, no matter if you go to school, no matter if you go to Walmart on Black Friday, can I get a witness? You know what I'm talking about. Like you can experience God if you will live a God-centered, a Christ-centered life. And that's what this series is about. It's getting us in position so that when God begins to move around us, that our hearts are, are attentive to what God is doing so we can join him there. You know, last week we talked about a thing and I've said it too and I've prayed this and, and so I'm right there with you. It says, God, what's your will for my life? Now, a lot of times we don't know that, right? Especially if, you, if you're a teenager going into college and you're raised in church, you probably get to your last year or your senior year and you realize, oh, I better declare a major. Come on, college students, you know what I'm talking about, your senior year, about time I'm gonna figure out what I'm gonna do with my life. And then we begin to pray, God, what's your will? for my life? And, and I, I think that's the wrong question to ask. I think we should ask, God, what is your will? And then how can I join you there? God, what is your will? How can I join you as a doctor, as a teacher, as a banker, as a stay-at-home mom, as a pipe fitter? It doesn't matter your profession. God, show me your agenda. Show me where you are working. And then how can you use me? Like, send me to where you are. Because no matter where you work, no matter where you go, God is always working around you. And that's what I really want to focus on today. So this is kind of setting up this week for those of you who are in group or you're going through the study with us. I want to encourage you, grab somebody. My group actually meets this evening. And so you, you grab a group of people, you grab some people, and you go through this together. So if you're in a group, I encourage you to grab one. If you're not one, create one. Maybe it's with you and your family. Maybe two or three of your coworkers after work want to stay for 30, 45 minutes and go through it. Maybe you're a college student. You want to jump in your dorm room, grab a few people and go through it with you. Just go through it with somebody so that you can be on the same page of experiencing God. And so what I want to do today is I'm going to walk you through uh, practical how over the last 20 years of my life, I've been living this out, like how I actually practice this. So when we're talking about experiencing God and walking through God, I'm going to walk you through really just how I've done this in my own life. And I want to share that with you today. So hopefully that you will begin 
you know, to experience God to the fullest. Like you experience God like you never experienced him and he will use you greatly to minister to the people around you. And so I want you to turn me to John chapter five because one of the questions I wanna ask is how did God use Jesus? Now I know what some of you are saying, well, he's God's son. Uh, so he had this kind of direct line with the God the Father that he could, you know, have contact with God at any time. But how did Jesus see and relate to God as Father? You know, we know that Jesus was 100% God. I get that, I understand that. I know he's 100% man. So he was God, man, and so I understand it. But I believe the 33 years that he lived on planet Earth, that he gave up his rights as he left heaven to come here to, to walk through you. I love when the Bible says, and this is another whole sermon, we could talk about it, that he grew in stature, he grew in wisdom, which believe I believe he set aside that part and grew as we would grow to become a human like us and grew and to understand even from a young age up so that he could become who God wanted him to be. And so we see this battle obviously in the garden. We see this battle with the, with the, with the enemy when he's tempted to turn stones into bread because he's hungry, right? Because he's human. And so how did he relate and how can we learn from how he related to God? We're in, in John chapter five, what we see here is Jesus is being harassed by all the Jewish leaders for breaking the Sabbath. Now the Sabbath is not Sunday, that's the first day of the week. The Sabbath is on a Saturday. So when God created the heavens and the earth and he rested on the seventh day on the Sabbath, that would be a Saturday according to the Jewish calendar. So on this Saturday, you're not supposed to do anything, right? You, there's all these laws and, and so if the law said that you couldn't you know, jump or get to the edge of the stage, let's just throw it that way. The law said you cannot go to the edge of the stage. Well, the Pharisees, they would write their own laws that says you can't get six foot to the edge of the stage on the Sabbath. Now, why did they do that? They set a barrier, they set their own law so they wouldn't break, so they wouldn't even get close enough to break God's law. So the Jewish leaders made all these laws up that you can't do certain things on the Sabbath and all this. So they're arguing with Jesus and they're harassing Jesus because Jesus broke the Sabbath. Jesus started healing people on the Sabbath. So I want you to follow me here in John 5, verse 17. It said this, but Jesus replied to the Pharisees, to the Jewish leaders, my father is always working, so am I. Doesn't matter if it's Monday, if it's Tuesday, if it's Friday on game day, it doesn't matter. If it's the Sabbath, my father is always working. He's always doing something. And so the text goes on and tells us because of this, they tried to kill Jesus for two reasons. One, he broke the Sabbath, but two, he just claimed equality with God because he just called God his father. See, even the pious and the religious Jews would never call him father. He's Yahweh, he's God. They wouldn't even say Yahweh. He was, they called him Adonai and Lord and God. They wouldn't even call him Yahweh because they're afraid they would mispronounce his name and God would strike them dead. So to call God Father, Jesus just now had equality with God. So a lot of times people say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Oh, yes, he did. He did right here because it said they tried to kill him because he now equated himself with God the Father. So verse 19. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. See this humility? This is Jesus. I could do nothing on my own. He does only what he sees the father doing. And whatever the father does, the son joins him. The son does it. Wherever the father is working, Jesus 
joins him there. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. Now, you're saying, okay, well, that's good for Jesus, right? That's God's son. But do you know that you are his adopted son and you're his adopted daughter and he is your heavenly father and the same Holy Spirit that indwelled and empowered and moved through all the great prophets and Jesus himself. It's the same Holy Spirit power that's in you to open your eyes for the heavenly father to show you that he is working all around you. And when he shows you he's working, that is an invitation. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. An invitation to join him in the activity of what he's doing. It doesn't matter where you are. You're at a restaurant, a cashier, someone's side of the road, at school, in the locker room, in your dorm room, walking to class, at work, on your lunch break. Here's the reality. God is always working around you. The problem is we just miss it. And we wonder why we're not experiencing God in a way that, that really radically changes our life. So I'm gonna walk you through this. This is just personal. I mean, this how God just operated in my life. And I wanna share this with you because I want you to, to operate it in your life as well. So here's the first thing that's very simple because we just read this. But this is the first point I wanna make because this is what you first gotta understand. And it's this, God is always at work. God is always at work. Jesus says, my father's always working. Jesus says, I'm always working. Does it matter what day it is? He's always up to something. He's always behind every conversation, in every situation, in every circumstance. There's not a place and there's not a person on the planet that God is not working something around them. So if you will understand that and get that, that can open up your holy eyes to begin to see maybe what God is doing. If you got up every day and go to work, knowing well, I'm about to go to work, God, you're doing something today. And you woke me up and gave me breath this morning, not just to get a paycheck. I mean, that's not the only reason. You woke me up and got me up because there's something you want to me accomplished. You still have a purpose for my life. And God's purpose is not a self agenda. It's not for you to make it to a certain age to retire so you can play golf for the rest of your life or go to the beach or whatever you decide to do. There's a reason you have breath this morning, which means there's a great mission that God has and he invites you and wants you to be part of it. So every day when you wake up and you have breath and God's mercy endured and you have life that morning, that's because God sees purpose in you, God sees potential in you, and God wants to use you. So tomorrow morning, if God for some reason allows you to wake up, so you know that he allows you to wake up and he gave you breath, before your feet hit the, out of the bed, you should say, God, thank you that you woke me up. What do you want me to do today? What's your purpose? What's your agenda? Show me where you're working because that's the only reason he gave you breath. And so if you have that mindset, you'll begin to see God in every conversation and all over the place. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to say, man, I, I got to hurry. I, I'm going to be late for work because God's doing something over here. I would say, well, if you got a good boss, be late for work and do what God wants you to do, right? I'm going to say, you just got to figure this out or at work or every conversation. I'm telling you, God will use you great. But you first have to understand this. God is at work because I know what some of you are saying, man, I work in some dark places. I work in some really dark places. Honestly, let's just face it. A lot of you right now, you hate your job. You hate where you work. But the only reason why you're working there is because you got to provide for your family. You got to put food on the table. There's nothing else for you to do right now. And you just should be 
Thankful you got a job. Can I get a witness, right? You, you got a job, but you hate it. It's dark. You don't like the people around it. You think it's toxic. People gossip. People talk. People telling dirty jokes. People doing stuff all around. There's all kinds of toxicity all over the place. And you're like, I can't believe I'm a Christian working in this hellhole. Am I preaching to somebody? Because I know that's a lot of you out there. That used to be the job I used to have. I begged God to move me. I begged God, God, can I quit this? I wrote in my journal in January 2000 after starting this job. God, could you move me from this place? God, you've got to get me out of this place. God, I can't stand around this place because the people I was around in the computer world I was working in, they're always looking at porn. Not only did they work at porn at home, they looked at porn at work. And so here I'm coming out of this. God's radically saved my life. I'm around a bunch of guys talking about porn, looking at porn. I'm like, Lord, get me out of this hellhole. There's no way in the world you want me to work in this place. I got to get out of here. But God didn't move me. God wouldn't let me quit because God had a purpose. After six months, God opened up another opportunity for me to go work. I went and sat down with my boss and I said, thank you for the opportunity to get started, but I'm moving to another position. And of course, just like every other boss at the time, what do they do? They offer you more money. Why didn't you give me more money when I was here earlier, bro? Right, what are you talking about? That's just how it works. And when I left, the boss said this, I just wanna let you know, thank you for working here. You're the only light we had in this dark place. You tell me that when I leave? You tell me that on the way out? See, some of you right now, you hate your job and you want to get out. But listen, you may be the only light they see in the darkest of the place. Who would ever have thought five years down the road, one of the guys used to work with showed up at church one day, came and listened to the message, walked an aisle, gave his life to Jesus, and I baptized him and his wife. Come on now, that's shouting noise right there. See, you have no idea. Don't give God no golf clap. That's shouting noise right there. See, you have no idea the purpose that God has. And he says, you know what? I, if God can use that guy, I want to go see what's going on. He shows up someday. And God gives, it, gives his life to the Lord. And now he's a Gideon handing out tracts all over the world and all over the place. See, you're in this place and you think, well, God, you don't, you gotta get, God's not even here. God's like, yeah, huh, I'm there. God is in the darkest place. There's where God's working. In the midst, in the midst of sinners. God's trying to do something. So before you try to get out of the place, God, open my eyes, let me see you where you're working. At school, in your family. Some of the times when you get together, your family's right around Thanksgiving and Christmas, usually the kind of the big times that families get together. You already have that pep talk with your spouse. Now, don't you be talking to my brother like this. You got to be good around my mother-in-law, right? You've already talked about why, because you know what happens when you get around a bunch of families. You're okay for a couple hours. But listen, in the midst of all that, people say, it's so hard to witness to your family. No, that's where God is working. That's why you come into this place with God. Show me where you are working. And if you'll just seek God, I'm telling you, you will. And when you begin to hear God, like when you show up for work and next thing you know, you hear somebody talk, talking about a spiritual question or they start talking about church or they had to think about, you know, a situation or something going in their family. They can have anything. Yeah, I'm just struggling right now. My grandma's really sick. And you'll blow it off like it's no big deal. What if you stepped in and said, hey, listen, what's your grandma's name? I just want to put her to my prayer list. I'm going to be praying for her. Oh, Janet. You're, you're, yeah, I'll be praying for Janet. And you go back next week to work, say, how's your grandma Janet doing? For the first time, someone took, watch this, took, you know, took, you know, looking into their family and you're caring for their family and then they start seeing you a little bit different because you start praying for a family member. See, you know, what happens is we get so caught up and busy that we don't hear these things happen around us. When somebody's going through maybe a divorce at work or somebody's child's rebellion and you're sitting there going, well, I'm glad it ain't me, man, it ain't my child. Once you step in and say, how can I be praying for you this week? I overheard you was talking about this. Well, thank you for praying. I've only had one person in my life ever turn down prayer. 
You could be an atheist and say, can I pray for your family? Oh yeah, pray. like you, they'll say, pray for my grandma. She's sick. You don't even believe in God. You just asked me to pray. It's amazing how you get atheists get you to pray. After being a Christian for like 22 years, I only had one person and it was the Dell rep. I was buying a Dell computer one day and I feel the Lord said, just ask her about prayer. I said, can anything I can pray for you about? She said, nope, nope, no, whatever. See ya. Have a great day. Thanks for buying a Dell. Click. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. Hey, you know, I'm just asking. This chick don't know me. I'm just trying to get pray praying for her. Right? I'm trying to conversation. Why? Because everybody is the potential for God to save and change their life. I've been doing this way longer than just now just for a sermon. This is, this is like how God's been using only in my own life. But you got to get up every day thinking, God, you're doing something. You are working somewhere. And I try to even teach this to my kids. My son come home from tennis match. He said, Daddy, it's my, my middle son, Logan. He said, Dad, he's going to be a freshman next year. Pray for me. But he, he said, he said Dad, he said, you know, I was sitting there and, and I overheard these people start talking about the Bible. So I, you know, I just did like anybody else would do. And I was like, I'm like, bro, anybody don't do that. People want to run away from Bible conversations. They don't run to Bible conversations. And he said, I got there and I was just listening to what I'm talking about. And dude, man, this, this, this person was wrong, dad. They were, they were misinterpreting the Bible. They were just throwing, they took stuff out of context. I'm like, my boy, what are you talking? How'd you know, what do you know what context is? You know, he said, just, this is wrong theology. I'm like, you know, I'm like, what in the world? And he said, dad, I was about jumped in and I was about to just slam her. I'm like, no, son, that's not what you do. You don't do that. He goes, I was about to say, listen, you know, the Bible said, I was about to go at it. I said, no, there's a way you do that. And that's not the way you approach it. Let me teach you how to approach someone when they begin to interpret the Bible wrong. You don't jump in and beat people up with the Bible. First, you build a relationship with people. You have this and all this stuff. And then we talked about, talk about your interpretation. What worldview you have to make you interpret this. You don't go in, it's like, bam. You go in and you, you, you work into the conversation. He goes, well, next week I'm gonna go back and tell that dude, that chick's wrong. She don't know what she's talking about. I said, hold up, we gotta talk about this. We gotta work through this. See God where you're working. Use me. Anybody, anybody could do this. The first thing you gotta do is God, you just gotta believe that he's working. Here's the second thing, and this is a big one. Pray and ask him where he's working. Now imagine this. This sounds so simple. I know it sounds so elementary, but on the way to work, most of you, you're frustrated. You can't believe you're running late, by the way. You can't even believe you, you know, you're in a hurry. You got a meeting today that you can't stand. Your boss is going to do something. You got corporate coming in, whatever it may be for you. You're on your way to work. It's just the same grind, the same thing, right? And you're like, oh, I just, I cannot wait till five o'clock, whatever shift you work to get off. What about on the way to work? You say, God, I know because you're working somewhere. Show me and send me there. And then watch this, I guarantee you, somebody's name is gonna to come to your mind. Hey, you know, Bill, I noticed last week he was struggling with. You know, you know, uh, Sarah over here, man, she, that was just a, I heard about her family. All of a sudden, things are gonna become popping to your mind that people you work with, listen to me, that's not coincidence. Please hear me, that is not coincidence. That's God inviting you to be part of something to go and, to, and just have a conversation. You don't need to beat somebody up. You're just having a conversation. You're just saying, hey, is anyone I could be praying for you? Listen, I'm telling you, you can mention that to anybody. No one turns down prayer. Everyone has a prayer request because everyone has a backpack that they're carrying. Everyone has problems. Everyone has issues. Everyone has something. And, they, and first thing, someone just you know, took knowledge of them that they needed to be prayed for. I'm telling you, that's the most simple thing. And it's so easy to do. Anything I can pray for you about this week? 
Man, my friend, Pastor Allen, he's one of the elders here at Bear Life Church. He's, the, he's unbelievable at this, man. I mean, this dude will witness to a telephone pole. He helps anybody and everybody. I'm telling you what, he's always, I mean, he's kind of one of those, sometimes you're with him, he's, he embarrasses you, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you're like, oh my gosh, he's overly saved. You know, he's like so Christianized. He's overly saved. You know what I'm talking about? Overly saved. When, you know, you ask, you ask him, have you, like, have, have you found your keys? I got the keys to the kingdom. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, no, no. Wait a second, wait a second. You know, come back, come back here, right? They're overly saved, but that's my boy, Alan, man. He just, he's, uh, I love him, he's one of my best friends in the ministry, and he's just unreal. But dude, he does this all the time, no matter who it is. He'll stop, pause for a conversation. I'm like, come on, dude, we, we gotta go, we gotta go. Hey, bro, anyway, I'll be praying for you this week. And he's inviting the church. I mean, just at it. He's such a great, just a great role model to slow down and say, man, God, you're moving in everything. So God, open my eyes. Watch this, watch this, high school students. God, show me where you're working today at school. He's all over that place. Middle schooler, God, where are you working at? He'll show you. College students, want to walk in this class. God, what are you doing? What do you show me? And he will begin to show you. You'll begin to have spiritual eyes and you'll begin to see God's there, God's there. I mean, I used to pray this all the time. God, break my heart to the things that breaks your heart. And I stopped praying that because it broke my heart. I, everywhere I go, I was just heartbroken. Because I saw devastation and I saw sin and I, and I saw people hurting and I couldn't even handle it emotionally because it began to break my heart to see everything that was breaking God's heart. And so God, just show me where you're working and pray these, utter this little prayer. I mean, this is so simple, isn't it? I promise, try this tomorrow. Wake up, thank you, God that he woke you up. God, what is your agenda today? Show me. And then on the way to work, school, wherever you're going, say, God, will you just show me? Open my eyes to see where you're working. And then email me tomorrow night, pastor at betterlife.church, and say, I did what you said, and you will not believe what happened. I'm gonna be waiting for your email. That's how confident I know that God's gonna show you something. You're gonna hear a story. You're gonna be there. You just gotta have the courage to go to that person and then just love them. Because I'm telling you, God is in that conversation. And then, this is very simple, watch this. Third thing, watch and listen. Just watch and listen. You don't have to force it. You don't have to be like, you know, like, like James Bond. And the next eight hours pass, go, oh my gosh, I didn't get nothing done at work. I'm not saying that. Just go about your business with the perspective of no matter what, God's working. And you may be working through something, doing something, and all of a sudden you hear something in the background through a conversation. It may be over here, overshot at, on your lunch break. You're like, whoa, 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 maybe God's in that. Watch and listen. What, did you hear what Jesus said in John 5? I only do what God shows me. I only do what my Father shows me. So God, open up my spiritual eyes that I may see where you're working. And it doesn't matter where you are. Whether you work at a hospital, you work at the school system, you work as a contractor, you're a stay-at-home mom, listen, it doesn't matter where you work. God, show me. And he will show you, in fact, it will be overwhelming to pray these things. Because this is what God is always on mission. And when I say mission, mission means this. It's simply God finding a person whose heart is spiritually prepared and then placing them in a place where they can make a difference. That's what missions is. And when you get your heart spiritually prepared, to do it. 
And listen, I'm telling you, I've been doing this for years, and I'm telling you, God just keeps showing up, showing up. One time I was at the Kentucky State Fair, and my family loved it, and I was sitting there, and I was like, how many times we got to see this? I've seen this every single year. It's the same thing. Cows manure and go on. I've seen it, right? I mean, I see, I see the art. I've seen this stuff. I can tell you, I can close my eyes and tell you all over the Louisville State Fair exactly where everything is. I, I can even smell it right now. It's so disgusting. Like, I know. Like, I've been there. Like, I can tell you everything about it. So one day I sit down on the bench, and I just sit there and said, Lord, show me where you're working. Thousands of people walking by, somebody needs you. And all of a sudden, this person came and sat down. And after a few minutes, this lady was on oxygen. Her head fell down. I thought she died. Literally. I was trying to wake her up. Trying to wake her up, and she wouldn't even move. And I was like, man, what do I do? And finally, she came to after me just shaking her. And somebody walked by, I'm shaking this lady, like, you know, like, wake up, wake up. And she goes, I'm just sitting here waiting. It's going to be a few hours waiting for a family member to come pick me up. With that conversation led to another conversation. And we got to start talking about church and talking about what God could do in our life. And I was like, listen, if you just slow down, there's people all around you that need Jesus. And he wants to use you. That's why he woke you up this morning. Don't you ever say that, well, that's what the preacher's for. That's why we got a pastor. It's what the pastor does. You're a minister, the Bible says, in Christ. Every one of us. This is what God has called us to do. I'm gonna show you this real quick in scripture, and then I'm gonna give you some barriers, and then we'll jump out of here real fast. In Acts, um, Acts chapter eight, this is one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts. Acts chapter eight. Philip is having revival. Philip's an evangelist. He's preaching. He's preaching in Samaria. People are getting saved. People are getting healed. God is showing up in miraculous ways. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit snatches Philip out and takes him to a desert, to the dry place. And Philip's like, why'd you, why am I sitting here? You, you wanted me to leave Samaria, where everybody's getting saved, to go out in the middle of the desert, and I'm standing here and nobody's around. Why would you do that? It's one of my favorite, favorite stories. So there's this guy coming from Ethiopia. He was a eunuch and he went to Jerusalem to worship. He's on his way back to Egypt. I mean, sorry, Ethiopia. He's on his way back to Ethiopia. So all of a sudden, God takes Philip up from where revival is, takes him to the desert right in the road crossing, right where this guy's coming. So this guy's coming by on his chariot and his horses and God says, here's what I want you to do, Philip. What? Verse 29, look what it says. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Now think about that. Here's this man coming from Jerusalem. He's worshiping. He has an Old Testament scroll. He's reading Isaiah. The Holy Spirit told him to leave Samaria where there's revival breaking out, go to a dry place in the desert. Who would want to do that? And he's standing there and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, go and walk beside the chariot. The carriage, go walk beside that. Now you're saying, ah, no, I ain't doing that, man. What are you talking about? Now watch this. Look what happened in verse 30. I love this. Man, I love this. Philip ran. Do you run when God tells you to do something? Or you debate it? I don't know if, God, I don't know if I'm gifted enough. I don't know if God called me to do that. I don't, sure. I don't know if I'm going to do that, right? He ran. Because he wants to do what God wants him to do. He ran over and he heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? The man's reading the Bible. He's like, the man replied, how can I unless somebody instructs me? Somebody has to explain this to me. 
And he said, here, jump up in my carriage while we're riding down the road and explain this to me. So here's Philip going back to Ethiopia. He's just riding with the dude, right? You talk about like an Uber ride. I mean, this is crazy right here. He's jumping in talking about the Bible. And he's talking about how Jesus is the lamb and was slain. Is this talking about the prophet or talking about Jesus? It started from the scripture. He talked to him all about Jesus. And the guy said, dude, I need to get saved. I need to get saved. And he jumps out of the carriage and he leads him to the Lord. And then he baptizes him. And then Philip goes on to his next assignment. See, we read that and we say, well, that's the Bible. That's just Philip. No, that's you. Count out how many people every single day at work and your workplace and at school and your restaurants and everywhere you pass are thinking about spiritual things and need something, a touch from God in their life. And you ever thought that you would call it a coincidence that you're at the right place at the right time? That's a God thing. And God wants to use you to do that. And that's what I want for you. I want you to be so in tune with God that whatever he shows you, whenever he shows you, you are ready to go. Like you are ready to jump on board and make this happen. And I want this desperately for you. And I know you say, I don't know if I can do that. Well, Philippians 2, 12 says this, work hard to show the results of your salvation. You've been saved. You're not saved by works because I am saved. You can see my works by obeying God with a deep reverence and fear. For God is working, watch this, in you, believer. You've given your life to Jesus. He's working in you. He will give you, giving you a desire and the power. Don't miss that. Not just a desire, but the power to do what pleases him. This is what I want for you. Folks, this is why we launched Better Life Church. I begin to pray, God, show me what you're working. Show me what you're doing. Who'd ever thought in 2004, I'm sitting across from some guys going, we're thinking about we're starting a church in Moorhead, Kentucky because there's a church that needs to have a church there, a new church plant. Four years prior to that, my wife said, someday I see us back in Moorhead ministering to people. Four years prior to that. Now I sit down with some dudes going, I think we should do this. All of a sudden, I feel like this invitation, God has invited me to do this. It took three years later before God said, go. God, show us where you're working. Send us there. I'm gonna talk about this as you come. You come to a crisis of belief. Will I do what God says or not do what God says? We acted and did what God did and what he asked to do because we believe God was moving in this region and God has showed us he has. Over 3,000 people have been saved in the last 13 years. God has done something and is doing something and will continue to do something. God's hand is upon this church and is moving unbelievable. We did this with our grace and campus. Grayson Campus, I know you're watching right now. Listen, we did this. We thought we were gonna to go to Ashland first. Let's go launch the church there in Ashland. We began to look at what God was doing. That's, we began to praise God, show us what you're doing. Next thing you know, we saw all these families coming from Carter County and Lewis County and over here in Elliott County and few were coming from Boyd County. And we're like, man, Carter County's booming. This could be the hub. God, show us what you're doing. I mean, I, there's not many new church plants starting in Carter County. And so, guys, let's guess what? Let's back up. Let's not go to Ashland. Let's go to Grayson. Let's start there. Let's see what God is up to. Do you know over last weekend, they had 200 people last weekend, y'all? Grayson, y'all had 200 people last weekend. And you want to know something crazy? That's a little over 50% of pre-COVID attendance. The average church today pre-COVID, now post-COVID, are seeing about 30% of people back in person. 30%. They're already over a little over 50% at 200, which means if this 
COVID didn't hit in person, of course, you can't blame everything about it. They would be probably having four to 500 people in a church in Carter County. Guys, that's a miracle. Only 1% of the churches in all the United States run over 50 people, I mean, 500 people. The average church in the United States is seven to eight people. This year alone, I just read, remember I told you about how many churches shut down? 8,000 churches shut their door every year pre-COVID. This year, experts believe that 18,000, 18,000 churches will close their door and there's no new church plants are happening. You picture that. 18,000 churches this year will close their door and not exist. And the church in Carter County is thriving and flourishing. So listen to me, Carter County. Y'all need to give God some glory what you're doing there. I want to hear you all the way around because y'all need to make some noise what God is doing there. And y'all not even begun to see what God's about to do. That's exactly how we launch that camp. That's exactly how we'll launch other campuses. When God begins to draw people from a certain zip code, that's a certain amount, we'll say, God, maybe you're doing something there. If God raises up a leader to make it happen, let's do it. See, that's, that's how, I just want you to see this. This ain't something, well, you just, you know, came up with this today. We've been living this out for the last de two decades. And you're experiencing God through a group of people who's been going through this. And I want this for you and your family and your workplace and your family tree. But I will tell you, there are a few barriers. Now I'm just gonna list these very quickly because you'll get it. The reason why you're not seeing God at work around you. There's some reasons. If you're saying, man, I, don't, I, never, I never see God working. Well, there's probably, few, one of these is probably the reason. One, personal sin. When you have personal sin in your life, when you have unconfessed sin in your life, you'll be blinded to the work of God. In fact, when you have unconfessed sin in your life, you don't want to see God. You want to hide from him because you feel dirty, you feel guilty, you, feel, you don't feel close to God, and you're not thinking about the things of God when you have unconfessed sin in your life. That's why you need to get before God regularly and say, God, is there anything between me and you? Purge my heart. Have I said something, offended somebody, or done something that's not pleasing to you? Like, show me. As we just sung, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. But if you have unconfessed sin in your life, you're not gonna see God moving. You won't see it. So maybe you start there and that's easy one to fix. That's an easy fix. What do you mean by that? You say, God, is there anything between me and you? If you sin, rapid repentance. God, I blew it. Man, I shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have said that. You know what, God, you're, you're right. That sin, help me now not to do that again. It's rapid repentance. Unconfessed sin will keep you from seeing the work of God. Self-centeredness. You get up every day and you think it's about you, your job, your agenda, your kingdom, your work, your people. If you live a self-centered life, you're not gonna see God working around you. So maybe you're just too consumed about self, which is sin, but you're too consumed about you how you feel and start seeing what God is doing around you. Another thing is this, if you're always in a hurry, you're not gonna see God. That's what I love about Jesus. You ever notice about Jesus? He walked, just walked through the crowds. Who touched me? He just stops. Someone's dying, but he stops for the person to minister to. If you're always in a hurry, 
you're not going to see him work. Which goes into the other one is busyness. You're always busy. I'm busy. People wear busyness as it's a badge of honor. Hey, man, how's things going? Busy, man. I'm just busy. Like it's a badge of honor. You notice that? That's not a badge of honor. Man's just busy. Life's busy. Work's busy. It's not a badge of honor to wear. And if you're always busy, you're going to miss it. Listen, I want you to experience a God. And I believe if you just hang tight and walk this out with us over this series, you're going to experience him. You go, I'm telling you, you go tomorrow and you wake up and you say, God, what's your agenda? God, is there anything between me and you? Show me where you're working. Watch and listen. By tomorrow afternoon, you're going to have a story to tell. I can't believe this so-and-so came and I didn't even know it. Because that's how God moves. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I want to encourage you that God has a plan for you right where you are now. Right where you are now. He has a plan. Don't run away from it. I promise it's bigger than your paycheck. It's bigger than your title. There's a plan. All you got to do is see where he's working. And I'm telling you, it would change your life. And you experience God in unbelievable ways. But maybe the, one of the reasons why you're not experiencing him or seeing him is because you don't know him. And today you can leave here having a personal relationship with God. I'm going to talk about that next week. But you don't have to wait till next week. You can give your life to Jesus today. All you need to do is say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, as best as I know how, I give my life to you. And if you'll pray that, God said he'll adopt you into the family. You'll become his son. You'll become his daughter. And watch this. He will begin to show you where he's working. Father, we want to thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. It's new and fresh every day. We don't deserve it. But you give it anyway. God, I hope and pray desperately that your people long to be used by you. God, I pray tomorrow, today, even today before it's even over, God, show us where you're working. How can we impact the people around us? Lord, that eventually would change a city, that changes a region, that changes a country, that changes a world. Right here from home. Thank you for saving people. Thank you for godness. We love you, Jesus. You're now we ask and we pray.